Hello, this is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop, and we it is the best day of the week because it's Wednesday, which means we are talking all kinds of movies, TV shows, always Spider-Man, it feels like forever. And I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I'm not too sure too much. But this week, it, movie reviews are House of Gucci and Pixar's Encanto. Uh, so we'll be talking about that, and then we'll be getting into some movie news. Uh, I've changed a few things in my setup, so you might hear a little different audio. Uh, I'm still kind of uh, tweaking it, so it might sound not so great this episode. Hopefully I can get it better next time or next week. Uh, also hung up some stuff in my room, still working on adding more there. Uh, but I think it's all coming together. Also, trying to think what else. No, I think that's it. I'm going to do a quick audio test just because I want to make sure my mic is working. Okay, it does sound like it's coming through. Just wanted to make sure because, like I said, new mic. Uh, anyways, before we get into things, obviously two movies to review this week. Before we get started, just want to remind everyone, if this is your first time listening to us, even if it's not your first time listening to us, there are many places you can listen to this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold for free. Or you can join us live on twitch.tv slash unanimousindecision, where you can hop in the live chat, share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is we're talking about. Uh, or you can talk about something else. What, what's your favorite movie? What's your least favorite movie? You know, all those kinds of fun things. Join us there. Uh, we record this show live at 6 p.m. if you ever want to join us. And then this show, uh, the format is talking about some movie reviews, House of Gucci and Encanto this week. And then we'll be getting into this past week's movie news, which, as has been true for the past few weeks and will continue to be true probably for this week and next week, and of course the following week, we will be talking about every Spider-Man update we can find that are somewhat credible because obviously there's a lot that aren't. And yeah, so uh, before I get into the reviews, just want to remind everyone I will be spoiling both House of Gucci and Encanto, although I suppose House of Gucci is kind of spoiled by 1995 existing because it's based on a true story, or I guess it's based on a book based on a true story. I don't know how it works. I don't know what actually happened. It was before I was born. Uh, so I will be spoiling both movies, though, uh, to talk about them in every juicy little detail. Uh, so let's get started. I think I wanted to start with Encanto first. I forget what I wrote down. I made a schedule for myself. Uh, yeah, Pixar's Encanto. I feel like I'm going to say a lot of negative things about this movie, but it's a good movie. It's a fine movie. It's it's enjoyable. It's cheerful. It, it has like the kind of things you want out of a Pixar movie, I guess, in general. However... Uh, there were certain things... Hey, my notification system worked. That's nice to know. Uh, there are certain things in the movie that I think made it not so enjoyable for myself. Is that it's kind of predictable. It becomes, like, very predictable, I guess. Uh, watching Encanto or Let This One Slip By... 
I don't know. I think I'm the only one. That was Ian in the chat. See, you can hop in the live chat, ask questions as we go. I've barely even started reviewing the thing, and Ian's already interrupting me. I'm just kidding. Feel free. Uh, the, I think I'm the only one who thinks this because I believe Encanto has like the craziest uh, Pixar movie review on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you can probably hear me typing. But yeah, it's like really high. 92% by critics, 93% by uh, audience. I wonder if I can look up a whole list of Pixar movies. I know you can for like certain franchises. But as that's loading, um, they... What is this? Okay, so Luca was like 91%. <laughs> well, that's a TV show. I won't do that. I mean, I guess everything Pixar makes seems to be like over 90%, give or take, except for Cars 3. How bad is Cars 2 then? Cars 2 is actually rotten. Okay. Uh, yeah, pretty much everything Pixar makes is like over 90% uh, on the large part. So Pixar is just a great studio yeah i got a new headset as well it's kind of weird but getting used to it so everything pixar makes you know it's it's financial gold also hershey see you in the chat thanks for joining us how are you doing it's it's financial gold it's it's uh you know the greatest movie ever made every time and Encanto is no different. It's hitting over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, should you skip them? I suppose you should never skip a Pixar movie just because they're all great. However, I don't know. About halfway through the movie, I just realized that, the, that it was kind of boring. I don't know. I wasn't that invested. <laughs> like, they introduced this idea that she can solve her family's problems. Her family has, is enchanted in Kanto, right? Uh, they all have magical abilities that they're helping their town out with. And initially, I feel like we, the way they framed the trailer, it made it seem like they were all losing their magic. But it didn't quite frame it that way, even though that is eventually what happened. It was more just like, weird things were happening and the magic itself was dying. And, and I think this was actually a really good part of the movie is that it kind of became a, a self-worth kind of movie it, where all the characters were questioning their self-worth, which I mean, like, obviously a lot of people have problems with that. And so it's always a good topic to discuss. Uh, one of the children always feels like she has to be the perfect child. The other one always feels like she has to be stronger than she has super strength. And she feels like she has to be even stronger than that and never show, uh, I don't want to say weakness, but tiredness maybe. And so she really, um, Matt Madrigal. No, the whole family's the Madrigals. Maribel, Maribel Madrigal. Yep. Great name. Uh, is our main character, has no magic. Other, and, and this is the part that kind of, like, obviously <laughs> it seemed good, but there was a part of the movie 
where I kind of felt like they boxed themselves into one of two bad options. Now I think they went with the less bad option or at least the less obviously bad option, which is the two options they were faced with as everyone was losing their magic is she has to basically teach her family, hey, it's okay to be normal. And then they're just normal forever. So be it. And like, that's kind of weird. But then instead what we got, and what again, I think is still not that great in my opinion, but uh, is maybe less obviously bad is that she never teaches her family how to be normal, which I think was a missed opportunity uh, to, to help them like kind of have their self-realization of normality, normalcy. That's definitely the right word. <laughs> Instead, the movie just kind of, it's so weird to me and I don't know how to voice, how to, how to explain it. But the movie basically claims that the whole reason the magic is falling apart is the grandma's fault, which is really interesting. <laughs> and she was the one who was gifted the magic in the first place. But she basically, she was really hard on one of her children. Her one, uh, Yeah, her son. She had a son and two daughters. She was really hard on her son because he could see the future and he made some kind of a you know, like everyone wants a soothsayer until a soothsayer tells them a bad future and then they don't want the soothsayer anymore. And that's basically what happened is he started predicting some negative things such as the magic dying out. Of course, it kind of became like a self-fulfilling prophecy because he kind of felt excommunicated from the family. So he, I'll say, runs away, uh, at least metaphorically, if not physically. And, of course, then the magic begins to die out. But they kind of put it all on the grandma, that it's the grandma pressuring the perfect child to keep being perfect, pressuring the, uh, the strong child to keep being strong rather than, you know, like having a day off, you know. And, and like, you definitely see that throughout the movie, but then when she like has her realization that she's kind of been taking it all for granted and I feel like I said granted instead of granted uh, Rick and Morty joke, but <laughs> then uh, once she realizes that everything just kind of works out and it's like, okay, we, I realized that I made a mistake. Sorry, everyone. And then the whole town comes to rebuild their house and they rebuild the house. And when it's finally complete, they get their magic back. But you know, like Madrigal still doesn't have any powers, which at the same time, I, I think is the right decision is still a weird decision. <laughs> Cause like, it is okay to be normal. But the more I think about this movie, the more I contemplate, because I haven't totally made up my mind about this, but there's, there's a lot of 
I guess, quotes from the movie that make it sound like they're praising mediocrity, which I think is a very weird idea. Like, don't get me wrong, everyone is mediocre, but like the fact that everyone's mediocre is the whole reason to strive to be a little bit above that, you know? <laughs> uh, mediocre is the baseline. Like, yeah, it's okay that you're mediocre, but <laughs> it's like you're not living for anything greater than that, I guess. And it kind of feels like this movie praises mediocrity, which I think is kind of weird. Uh, and it has to do with the fact that like she has no powers and sure it's okay that she has no powers she doesn't really have a choice with that but they very much made it sound like the way the grandma's whole thinking was because the grandma kind of like really started becoming a lot more intense about the magic when madrigal when maribel madrigal uh when she went through her power ceremony and they found out she's not getting any powers any special abilities and so like in she she was a lot more the grandma was a lot more diligent to make sure that uh the magic didn't go out and so it, it kind of frames it that like maribel is like the flaw of the family or at least maybe that's how the grandma sees it uh, at least for a time being, or at least in regards to the magic. And then they're just like, yeah, it's okay. She doesn't have powers. And in fact, it's good that she doesn't have powers because she humbles us. And I was like, that's a weird take to have <laughs> that the person that doesn't have powers humbles you for having powers it's like, I don't think you need to be humble about it. You could just be grateful of your situation. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, you could still be family about it kind of thing rather than constantly rubbing her nose in it that she doesn't have powers, which the family does. And it's like <laughs> really uh, bad. I don't want to say bad family, but like really bad uh, raising of a child uh, to just constantly talk about how she doesn't have powers <laughs> just to remind her but yeah the the fact that they like praise her for not having powers is weird because again not her choice uh, <laughs> and so uh yeah ian's saying hey little sis i know you don't have powers but me and the others do so thankfully you're a loser because that makes us all feel good about having them it's not quite like that but it is a little bit like that at least how i interpreted it uh granted i'm a pessimist so uh yeah that's just how it felt to me is that they were like yeah Mar maribel is the true gift of the magic because she doesn't have it <laughs> and it's like what uh <laughs> i'm so confused and, and so that that's where i feel like the movie kind of praises mediocrity a little bit that it's like she's better than the rest of us because she doesn't have magic and it's like if you need magic to be a good person you're probably not a good person <laughs> uh so yeah it's just it's just a little weird i i was kind of caught off guard by the the phrasing of the ending like the ending itself i think was fairly predictable it was kind of wholesome and whatnot it's all about family it's great it's wonderful 
uh, is just some of the quotes in the movie that I thought were very odd. Uh, I also think there's one of the more, uh, I think we've been talking about it a lot lately with uh, animation, but also Pixar animation. This movie looks maybe the most bubbly out of any Pixar movie. I always say that you'll never see a sharp edge in a Pixar movie because kids are afraid of edges. I don't know. It, it's too edgy. And then, uh, so it's pretty bubbly. And I know like the trailer for um, Turning Red looks even more bubbly. So I'm just waiting for the movie where we get all kinds of spheres running around. I guess we come pretty close to that. Is that in Frozen? I don't know. Uh, which I guess is Disney animation, but I know Pixar helped them out a lot with that. So, which is why it was one of the most successful Disney animated movies of all time. Uh, overall, it's still a good movie. Like I said, it's worth watching just because it's a Pixar movie. And so they always have mostly good morals. Uh, there's just specific quotes. Uh, obviously, I'm the only one who thinks that because that kind of made me feel like it was a, a not necessarily a bad movie, but it's just a weird ending. And obviously it's still getting over 90% rating. So I'm the only one who thinks that. So, <laughs> so don't let that stop you from seeing this movie. Uh, you can enjoy it. And I hope people do. Uh, and then to talk about House of Gucci, the other movie that came out this week. This is a great movie. It is really good. Uh, I walked out of that theater thinking a lot about it and it's like i said it's based on a book which is based on the true story so I, I don't know what's lost or what isn't uh but it follows basically the prodigal son of the gucci family uh where you have these two brothers who started the gucci company and they each have one son uh played one played by adam driver the other played by jared leto and Basically, uh, it kind of, the thing that I love about this, it's weird. It's always weird to talk about as a biopic, but since I didn't really know anything about the story, I guess, beforehand, I think the thing that's amazing about the story, I guess, is it feels so much like The Godfather. Apparently, the Gucci family isn't too happy about how they were portrayed in the film. That doesn't surprise me because they are all portrayed to be bad people. <laughs> but that's what kind of, it doesn't surprise me with that. And I also feel like, I guess it's weird. This, this is a weird take to have because whenever biopics are made, you you'd like to think that the people who the are the subjects of the art should be happy with it. But when your subjects are like kind of villains or bad people or unethical people, uh, it, it's it's like, do you want them to be happy with the movie? Because that wouldn't necessarily be truthful either. So I don't know. But we do know some things that are like definitely true about the movie because the movie even tells us the exact facts that uh, I forget his name. Uh, let, let me look this up real quick. Uh, IMDb to get some of the Gucci names. Because otherwise I'm just going to call him Gucci son and Gucci father and so on and so forth. Uh, Mauricio, played by Adam Driver. 
if you don't know anything about House of Gucci, maybe there's one thing you know, and it's that Mar Mauricio Gucci, the guy who probably started turning the Gucci brand around uh, from facing bankruptcy, was him, and he was murdered. So that that's the thing that's interesting. And other facts that we know, not speculation, actually tried and charged in court his wife. <laughs> Patricia Reggiani, uh, Reggiani, uh, no, I think it's Reggiani, right? Uh, I don't think they have soft G's in Italian. I could be wrong. And, uh, yeah, she, she murders her husband. She hires contract killers to murder her husband. Like, that's how the story ends. And... So it's like, yeah, no, no kidding. Some people are upset about how this, because if you think about it, every single person in this, let's go through the list. Uh, Rodolfo Gucci, the like probably the, the patron father of the Gucci brand. Uh, he's super ill and he's already dead. So obviously he's not going to react to the film, but he's like, super distant from his son they had a really tense relationship because he wanted his son to marry someone who was also of class and he married a uh a truck company owner's daughter uh, who was kind of a con artist to be honest uh, or at least that's the way she's portrayed uh, and then there's Aldo Gucci, who's kind of running the show of the Gucci brand. And he's doing a pretty good job if it wasn't for the fact that he was also embezzling funds. <laughs> but it's like on the surface, he's managing things pretty well. There's good optics around it. And then he just happens to be embezzling funds, which, you know, pretty unethical. Uh, and then Paolo Gucci, played by Jared Leto, he loves the Gucci brand, but he also wants to be a designer himself. And unfortunately, maybe people will one day say he was like a hundred years ahead of his time, but his ideas for clothes are a little weird. Think like Hunger Games, capital city of Pan Am, kind of weird. Uh, yeah, his, his ideas are like very strange for clothing. Uh, so a lot of the rest of the family is like, we can't let him touch anything creative. <laughs> so that's not going to work. And then Mauricio Gucci, kind of the normal one of the family, uh, doesn't want anything to do with the family. And this is where I think it feels very Godfather to me is the beginning of Godfather, Michael Corleone is, is in school, he's getting married, he doesn't really like, uh, I mean, he loves his family, but he, do, he doesn't like what his family does. He knows they do bad things, and he's not a fan of it. Uh, Mauricio Gucci, he just has no interest in taking over the family business. He wants to be a lawyer. He's in school, getting ready to take the bar exam. You know, he, he's just on his own path. He's just a normal dude. Uh, meets a girl who he ends up falling in love with. He ends up 
not becoming a lawyer and working for his father-in-law. And then he gets encouraged by her because she's kind of money hungry. And uh, to go back to his family and patch those wounds, uh, which he does. But then he finds out about the embezzling and he finds out about his brother's crazy designs. And he basically, after he comes back in, he basically kicks them all out, uh, more or less. But... But yeah, I mean, overall, it's just a terrifically acted film. Uh, Ridley Scott's directing, which I don't know if there's a single Ridley Scott movie out there I don't like. I haven't seen them all either. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm a weirdo that likes, uh, what is that movie called? Um, that alien movie, Pro, uh, Prometheus. Uh, I'm the weirdo that actually thinks that movie is very enjoyable. It's different. It's very different, but I enjoy it. Uh, yeah, and so like, th there's not a lot of things to say negative about this movie. Um, I hope it is, even if the Gucci family is not happy with how they were depicted, I hope it's accurate to what happened. Um, because like that that's always the worries whenever um like like i said you they it's this weird dichotomy with biopics of people who are still alive or have descendants or whatever that there's i don't know if it was the thing that just went on disney plus the beatles got back or whatever it, or the or there was supposed to be another beatles biopic that was supposed to be in the works and uh two of the surviving members of the band really wanted some creative control over it and there is a lot of people uh in the movie space and in the music space saying that that's probably not a good idea because then the truth won't get told and so it's this weird dichotomy of yeah you want to make the subject of your art happy but at the same time, you want to tell the truth. And so you never know. Um, with Queen, no, the what I heard it was with was with the Beatles. I know that Bohemian Rhapsody had some problems also with Queen, um, uh, with the Queen band members, the surviving band members. But uh, again, it's that dichotomy between do you want to make them happy or do you want to tell the truth? And with certain subjects, it's actually impossible to do both, uh, which is just the unfortunate reality of it if you want to make this movie while they're still alive. <laughs> um, and so, like, I don't really know how I feel about it. I always feel weird about it, especially music biopics because they live such crazy lifestyles. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love mafia films, and House of Gucci feels very much like a mafia film without the mafia aspect granted it's got mafia actors in it such as al pacino uh so that certainly helps uh but yeah it feels like a mafia film and then the fact that it's you know based on a true story makes it even more interesting uh and then the ultimate ending that's i don't know kind of sad that the, this guy who just figured out how to turn his company around gets murdered 
and kicked out of his company. Uh, and that's the thing that they talk about is that throughout the entire film, they talk about how the Gucci brand is, uh, it's a family company. It's a family company. And the very last thing in the movie is uh, that not a single member of the Gucci family owns any fraction of the Gucci name, of the Gucci company. And that's the thing that's so crazy. It's because they all did some like crazy stuff to lose it, whether it was uh, illegal stuff, unethical stuff, uh, weirdly creative stuff. <laughs> Uh, they all got pushed out one way or another to for them to be owned by. And then I think it eventually went public. I don't know if Gucci is actually public. Uh, the thing that I think is absolutely crazy, though, is there's a scene. And I, I want to know if just this one scene is true. Honestly, I don't care about that much else. Just because I think it's a really interesting look uh al pacino's character aldo gucci there's a scene where he's looking um mauricio and patricia they show aldo a bunch of fake gucci bags that are like made in china or whatever and they're fake they're sold on the street for like 20 30 bucks and you get the same thing for like 200 bucks and or two thousand bucks i don't know and he's just like I don't care. So what if they sell this on the street? That's not our target demographic. <laughs> our target demographic is the is the very well to do. And he's like, if the people in lower classes want to feel like they have Gucci, let them let them have that feeling. That's cool. They'll they'll love our brand even more. He saw it from a brand perspective. But the other ones are like, but uh, Mauricio and Patricia are like no, it's not a good idea because then the well-to-do don't feel like it's an exclusive thing for them. And, and so it, it was this really interesting argument to talk about. It's kind of like pirated co content, you know, <laughs> uh, to, to talk about, uh, I don't know, articles of clothing, copyright kind of stuff. Um, and so, so I thought that was really interesting that they talked about that. Uh, but the whole family dynamics just really crazy, very mafioso, uh, without all the murdering until there was a little bit of the murdering. Uh, yeah, I just I, I love mafia movies, mobster movies. So it, it had that vibe to it. So I loved it. Uh, I hope it. Like I said, I hope it was true. Um, if I was smarter, I would do some research and find out how much of it was true. But the truth is, I don't care. Uh, it was an enjoyable movie. I don't own anything made by Gucci. If I do one day, great. If I don't, I don't really care. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just a really well-made movie. I loved it. Um, people should definitely go see it. Hopefully, uh, Ridley Scott doesn't see the same reaction to this movie as he did to the last duel um because i thought that movie was pretty good also but whatever uh yeah so let's get into this week's movie news before i get into it i just want to remind everyone to rate review subscribe follow wherever you're listening to us 
uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision. It helps other people access it. It helps us get feedback. It helps grow the conversation, most importantly, because that's what it's all about. We just love talking about these sort of things, talking about movies, talking about TV shows. And there's there's been a lot of good ones these past few weeks. And I think this month, I said it in November that this next like two-month block, there's going to be a lot of good movies coming through. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that was my reminder. Also, we do two shows here. Uh, we do this show every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, uh, where we talk movies, then movie news, which I'm about to get into. And then Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, it's always a big day on Friday. It's either a really big day or a really small day. But we're doing Young Justice, I think, episode 9 of season 4. We're doing Wheel of Time, episode 5. And we're doing, what's the other show? Hawkeye, episode 3. So, yeah, a lot of stuff. We did finish Arcane, so we don't have to do that anymore. It'll shorten the show a little bit, or maybe it'll just give us more time to talk about Hawkeye. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And, yeah, let's jump into this movie news, if I can find it. Uh, yeah, this is a crazy article uh, that, I, that we found out about in Variety. Uh, movie theaters can attract more customers with vaccine mandates, lower ticket prices, and so on. Uh, this is really interesting. Apparently, Quorum, which is a film research company. Wait, I'm very confused. Quorum, a film research company, Cultique, a brand consulting firm, and Thanthropology, which is a research and strategy agency, they surveyed more than 2,500 pre-pandemic moviegoers, which all in all isn't that big of a sample size, especially if it's all from the same city. But regardless, it discovered that nearly half of the respondents, some 49%, went to cinemas before the pandemic and still, almost two years later, still haven't returned to see a single movie in theaters. And so what are the reasons? Uh, basically, still the COVID-19, they, they, they're concerned that movie theaters don't have vaccine mandates and then ticket prices. Uh, so yeah, 59% said they don't feel safe in theaters. 33% uh, of the total numbers said that requiring customers to present proof of vaccination would make them more comfortable. Another 30% said they were fine with showing they had been vaccinated. Okay. 20% uh, of respondents view vaccine requirements as an infringement of their personal rights, you know, like freedom to move kind of stuff. Um, but it is a private business and they're entitled to their own policies. Uh, so if that's where they want to go, that's what they can do, I guess. Uh, I don't think it'll actually change all that much, to be honest. Because uh, I think for a while, I honestly think, I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe these people do feel that way. Uh, I personally think that for a while, since movies have been open, basically since 
the end of December of last year. And I mean, really open. I know they technically opened in like August, but there wasn't really any new movies for a really long time. And even the new movies that did come out since December of last year, I don't know. There haven't been a lot that were like super, that there was a lot of hype around. Uh, there was a lot of hype around No Time, no Time to Die. I guess there was a lot around like, of course, the Marvel movies, Black Widow and Shang-Chi. Um, and, and those movies did well. They turned profits, but sure, they weren't breaking records. So, so maybe there is other reasons there. Uh, 16% of people who haven't returned. See, see, there's another thing. There's 16% of people who haven't returned to theaters in the COVID era. They don't see them returning anyways in the future. They're just not going to go to movie theaters anymore. That audience is just gone. So, I mean, regardless of what the movie theater does, it's not going to get that 16% back. So they say uh 58% are hopeful that they can return uh also they find that uh this is interesting that uh out of the people they surveyed if they weren't likely to return or yeah if they were former moviegoers and haven't returned yet out of their study they were more likely to be female so they, they, the movie theaters haven't attracted a female audience as much, which I think has been probably historically true due to the strong male protagonist uh, being such a uh, tentpole of filmmaking for such a long time. Obviously, it wasn't every film, but uh, yeah, I think that plays into it. And so the fact that this year, other than black widow i'm trying to think of others <laughs> uh didn't have too many other female led stories uh, i'm struggling to think i don't know black widow i mean i guess wonder woman 1984 came out uh but that was like a year ago and so so yeah i think there's a really interesting statistic um uh, and 65% complaining that buying snacks at cinemas is too expensive. What I have to say to that is you don't have to buy snacks. I almost never buy snacks. So I, I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> also, you could sign up for their loyalty programs and probably get a free movie. I mean, it's not free. You're paying for the loyalty program. But you basically get an equivalent of a movie ticket, and then you get 20% off snacks. So now maybe they're almost normally priced. I do agree that theater snacks are expensive. But do you know what are also expensive? Theme park snacks. It's, it's uh, sports uh, stadium snacks. They, they have an, kind of an exclusivity of convenience, of location of target market like you're in the theater you're if you're go if you want snacks you're going to buy it from them so you're going to buy it for whatever price they tell you it's at uh so the solution if you don't want it if it's too overpriced is to just not buy snacks you can go a couple hours without eating i know that sounds a little crazy but it's true it can happen you'll you'll survive uh 
but it is very interesting that they did a study. I would have liked to see the study um, maybe be from multiple different cities across the country, as well as a lot more people. If they could get like 10,000 people in their study, obviously that's a huge number, but I think it would probably show a bit more accurate. Cause I, I'd be curious if this is just like, LA is the last city to open their, uh, their movie theaters. Are all 2,500 of these people from LA? That's a very skewed number. Uh, of people who feel safe and don't feel safe, right? They've only been able to return to the movie theaters for like three or four months. Actually, I think it's a lot more than that. Maybe six months, eight, six to eight months. Uh, but I know people who are driving to like Vegas or Arizona to go <laughs> see movies. So yeah, are all 2,500 people of these 2,500 pre-pandemic moviegoers, uh, are they all from LA? That feels a little skewed to me. Granted, L.A. is the biggest box office seat in the United States uh, and one of the biggest in the entire world outside of, like, China. Uh, but I'd be curious what New Yorkers are saying. I'd be curious what, I don't know what the next big city is, something like Orlando or Chicago, what those moviegoers are saying. Atlanta, you know, like, are the, do those people feel the same way? Uh, so the fact that they don't say the location, I'm not too sure. Maybe that is what happened. Maybe it was like 500 from five different cities adding up to 2,500. Uh, that could be a little bit more reasonable, but yeah, I, I think they just need to make sure they've got a lot of cities in their sample size. Cause I think, especially if it's LA, it would probably be skewed one direction given that they are the last, uh, city to have opened up for movie theater going experiences. Uh, next up, we got a second trailer for The Matrix 4, and it's pretty good. It's really weird. Uh, it doesn't really say anything, I guess. Uh, it does. It's a very satisfying trailer, though, I think, especially if you um, have seen the previous three Matrixes. Matrixes? Matrices? <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to say it, because matrices is plural of matrix but it's a pronoun, so I don't know if you can make it plural like that. Uh, I don't know. There's always a random English lesson in every podcast. So uh, if you've seen the other three Matrix movies, uh, you'll be super pleased with this trailer because it's very interesting. The entire trailer is about Deja Vu. Uh, of course, recalling back to the first movie, deja vu people experience it when the agents change something when the, the machines change something in there of course we see it happen when they change it uh, a brick wall in the room as opposed to an open way yes i did say an english lesson ian you missed it if you didn't <laughs> it, it's already over we're moving on <laughs> but uh yeah so the entire trailer is about deja vu and the entire thing is kind of, it's a lot of scenes that we got in the first trailer, but they show us the exact same versions of them that were in the previous movies, such as Morpheus flying through the air or uh, the way Trinity and Neo are looking at each other or uh, Neo's mouth getting uh, sealed up. They show it with a different character's mouth getting sealed up. And they have this weird mixing and matching of characters going through kind of each other's actions that we saw in the previous movies. 
and it looks really weird and really cool and it seems like that's going to play a big role into it is that overall things are technically the same in the matrix but things are different and why what is the reason for those differences what did neo do that resulted in him being back in the matrix and kind of everything kickstarting in the same weird way uh so i think it's super interesting uh it also makes me wonder though because i hope it i guess it's interesting because like even though the matrix has had i'm trying to think neo was the seventh iteration or i guess they're always neos but uh <laughs> what we see in the trilogy is the seventh iteration of the matrix i guess i always thought that the neo would have a different name but maybe neo is always thomas anderson you know maybe it's a different thomas anderson like literally um you know we have the the human farm and so maybe some other person gets to play Thomas Anderson in this role. Because, I mean, we have a different actor playing Morpheus. But I, I don't want to think that it's a time travel thing. that Because it's like, it's weird to think about. If you think about it strictly from a software perspective, it kind of makes sense. Okay, he reset it into a new iteration. There's another Morpheus. It works. Or a young Morpheus, it works. But that's not how the Matrix was explained to us. The Matrix was explained to us that there's a real world out there. So unless it's a Matrix inside of a Matrix to where Morpheus never... Uh, he, he dies, right? I'm pretty sure Morpheus dies. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, to where, like... Or, I mean, it even just goes through those experiences. I, I don't remember how Matrix 3 ends. Goes through that experiences and then is de-aged again and kind of started back at the beginning of the program. Either it's a different person who gets to now play Morpheus this time around. Or it is the same Morpheus, but then it has to be a Matrix inside of a Matrix. I think unless the movie gives us some other explanation. So I don't know. I'm still super excited for this movie. Uh, it comes out in just a few weeks. Hey, it's Boulder. How are you doing? I hope you're having a good evening. I'm doing great. Uh, just talking about the latest Matrix 4 trailer that dropped today slash yesterday. I don't remember the timestamp on it. Uh, but I think it looks amazing. Uh, I'm super excited for it. I also wonder... I initially was thinking, I forget who the actor is, but there's another person in the movie that I initially was thinking he could be a different Maravindian from Matrix 2. I'm now thinking, especially the way this movie or this trailer showed the deja vu, I'm wondering if he's another Thomas Anderson, which would be crazy, but it goes into that idea that new people get to play these roles that it's a different, it's technically a different person who gets to be Morpheus this time. Uh, 
And so that would mean a different person gets to play Thomas Anderson. However, the fact that our Thomas Anderson, the one we're familiar with played by Keanu Reeves is still there, makes it a little weird and is going to make this movie really interesting if that is the case. Or it just goes to the idea that it's a matrix inside a matrix. Morpheus never, never left. None of them never, ever left. And that's what happened. And that's why changes needed to be made because the seventh iteration, too many people broke out even more so that they had to have a, there's like minor iterations. This is now becoming a, an engineering thing of uh, finite element methods calculations uh, to where you have like a mate a matrix <laughs> and you have your rows and your columns so you iterate along your columns and those are your minor iterations but then you have to do a major iteration of your rows for instance and, and so in the matrix that would be what we think is the matrix uh to where i can't believe i'm going on this tangent but to what we think is the actual matrix where they're physically plugged in. And uh, those are the minor iterations to which there's at least seven of them. And this is the first time there's been a major iteration maybe to where even the Zion quote unquote real world uh, gets affected by the, uh, the iteration, which could be an interesting topic. I just, I'm very curious to see how things change. And that's what deja vu is all about in the matrix. People experience deja vu when the agents change stuff. So it looks super cool. Uh, very much honoring all of that came before it in this trailer. Uh, so I'm super stoked for it. What do we have next? There's another Dracula movie coming out. A uh, lot of people are joining it, signing up. They, they're getting everyone uh nick cage nicholas cage himself is going to be our next dracula um in the adaptation of bram stoker's renfield uh we're going to see a nicholas cage being dracula nicholas holt uh who will play the main character who will just be a henchman of dracula and then the latest addition is Aquafina to join the cast. Uh, she is going to be playing. Uh, do we know who she's playing in this article? I guess we don't know who she's playing just yet. Uh, will be directed by Chris McKay, I believe. Uh, so I, I think it's pretty interesting. It's basically uh, to read the synopsis that's listed here. Uh, Nicholas Holt's character uh, was an asylum in the book, was an asylum patient with a taste for blood, seeking immortality at his master's side. Uh, it'll re what is this grammar? Re-examining his toxic relationship with Dracula and looking to others to help him break free of the delusionally one-sided relationship he has with the vampire, although no details have been released about Aquafina's character, um, a lot of people are thinking that she's going to be that uh, that major force that will uh, encourage him to leave Dracula's side. Uh, 
Sure. Nicolas Cage's Dracula sounds absolutely crazy, and I am there for it. Uh, I know over Black Friday, I bought a ton of movies. And one of the things I bought was this like four pack of Nicolas Cage movies. I've never heard of any of them. And I know after like National Treasure Book of Secrets, uh, Nicolas Cage did a ton of weird indie work that most of it is just absolutely crazy. And I'm hoping that these four fall into that category. Uh, movies that no one has ever heard of, to be honest. Uh, and I hope they're good. I hope this Renfield movie is good because Nicolas Cage, Dracula, what what could be better? And then the fact that you're getting Nicholas Holt and uh, Aquafina in it, they're, they're obviously trying to make something here, grabbing some younger actors as well. Uh, meanwhile, on the flip side thing, a movie that's been done for a while, Death on the Nile delayed to 2022 uh this has been kind of quiet there's not too many news articles talking about this probably with disney's encouragement to not talk about it um obviously army hammer has been in a sex scandal i'm not too familiar with what it was uh but uh lapd is investigating it uh, and so they obviously don't want to release a movie where Army Hammer is the lead actor while he is currently being investigated for a very big PR scandal. <laughs> um, also, you know, potentially a real crime. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a good move. Uh, I'm still looking forward to this movie just because uh, Death on the Nile is made by i could be wrong but it's kenneth branagh right kenneth branagh or he's the he plays perot in the movie uh just like in murder on the orient express which i thought was pretty good and i was just excited to see the character again solving some more crimes uh, i also think we've hit this kind of new renaissance of whodunits which is really cool. I mean, we had Murder on the Orient Express, which was pretty good. And then we had Knives Out, which was amazing. And so I was hoping Death on the Nile could be another one that would uh, continue this path forward. Because it doesn't really become uh, potentially a crime. I mean, if he did whatever, I mean, the whole reason they're investigating it is like, if it is a crime, <laughs> if the, he actually committed a crime, but the fact that he's not been convicted, I guess, means that they're not sure yet, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I let the courts decide whether people are criminals or not. I don't let the courts tell me whether to like people or not, but I let the courts decide whether people are criminals. So, uh, yeah, if the investigation's still going on, uh, I don't want to call him a criminal until he's you know convicted yeah the the act would be a criminal act if he <laughs> uh if he did it, if that's what happened yeah definitely and then what do we have next a movie to make a trilogy of something that i haven't kept up with uh, but given that they're made by Steven Soderbergh, maybe I should go check these movies out because 
Steven Soderbergh made a great trilogy that I'm a huge fan of, which is the Oceans movies. And now Channing Tatum and Steven Soderbergh are joining again with writer Reed Carolyn, where they are making Magic Mike 3, Magic Mike's Last Dance. They tweeted a picture of the first page of the script. Uh, so yeah, another Magic Mike, the, the male strippers are back. And uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, good, I don't, I don't know, people look at these movies very fondly. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird. But yeah, I mean, hey, Steven Soderbergh's great director. Chain Taylor's great actor. Uh, they've obviously won big with the previous two movies. Uh, so yeah, why not make a third? Keep it going. Uh, although the fact that it's called Last Dance and Steven Soderbergh previously making a trilogy, maybe he just likes trilogies, closing it out. Uh, Last Dance does seem like a title that would conclude the trilogy. Uh, I can't say that there would be a fourth based on that name. But I hadn't seen the other movies, so I'm not too sure about that. But good for people who like those movies. Good for them. Now, this is a crazy stat that came out. Uh, I don't know exactly how true it is, but I'm going to just present it as it is written. From Scoop, which is, I guess, a statistics website. They do analytics and all kinds of things. Uh, this week, they did some analytics in the business field looking at TV shows. Primarily, The Wheel of Time. Uh, they kind of wanted to look at The Wheel of Time versus Game of Thrones. However, the more interesting thing, I think, is they both came out more or less the same week or within six days of each other, five days of each other, uh, the wheel of time versus Hawkeye, which I think is really interesting. Cause like wheel of time has the potential to be a really big IP. It's obviously a 14 book long series. So it could be a huge, um, TV series, uh, that could, I don't know, really blow up in the fandoms. Uh, and then Hawkeye obviously being Marvel's latest addendum to the MCU uh, on Disney+. And this is the thing that's crazy, is that at the very beginning, Hawkeye immediately passed the Wheel of Time's viewership. Immediately. And then the Wheel of Time came back. And now they're kind of neck and neck with the Wheel of Time just edging Hawkeye out. Uh, this is, I believe, compared to... Uh, what, what are these numbers? What's the X of? Times more demand. So, so the X is times more demand than an average TV series. So if an average TV series is demand, let's say like NCIS, a show that's been on forever, the average demand for that show is 1x. Uh, the Wheel of Time just recently uh, on November 27th, just before uh, the long weekend, I guess, uh, or I guess that is Friday, isn't it? 
November 27th, it had 76.7x. So 76.7 times more demanded than the average series. While Hawkeye, you might think bigger IP, being Marvel, being Disney, as opposed to a book series that is Amazon, you know, like you'd think it'd be less. Uh, however, Hawkeye is only 76.3 times. So it's not much, 76.3 versus 76.7. But it will be interesting as both of these seasons kind of run parallel to each other. Uh, I'm hoping they'll do more analytics as these shows continue. Uh, but yeah, the Wheel of Time is kind of edging Hawkeye out, which is a lot counter to what I would expect. I mean, here I was saying last week that I'm not too sure Wheel of Time will get a second season. Because I think there are certain things that are a little sloppy. Uh, or not last week. I guess it was two weeks ago that I said that uh, when the show just debuted. Uh, but maybe it sounds like they got their footing with this fourth episode and maybe people have noticed. Uh, I know Ian was saying he thinks it's their strongest episode out of the four that have come so far. Uh, while Hawkeye, you know, it, it debuted two episodes, but they, they're funny, they're good. They're kind of mediocre, in my opinion. Uh, I'm still looking forward to what comes next. Uh, but they, there wasn't much stakes to the first two episodes that made Hawkeye interesting, whereas The Wheel of Time is kind of getting its feet under it. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely have to see. I hope they do an update to this as the shows continue. Maybe by the end of the season, we'll be able to see who... Um, who's talking about it more. I believe they calculate this by, um, I don't know. I wonder if they say how they calculate demand. And it doesn't say, does it? Which is disappointing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wanna say they do it by comments online every time it's mentioned online, uh, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting that the Wheel of Time took over because uh, it's very counter to what I would have thought. I would have thought it wouldn't have been close. Hawkeye would have been above Wheel of Time. Granted, Wheel of Time, there's probably more Amazon Prime subscribers than there are Disney Plus subscribers. I would wager that. And so the Wheel of Time has more potential to be watched by people as opposed to Hawkeye. Uh, so that, that might definitely play into it. Obviously, Amazon is advertising the Wheel of Time as much as they can. They spent a ton of money on it, so they definitely should. And then, um, yeah, it's just very interesting to me. As we get a little bit more into the major franchises, let's switch back over to DC for a second. We knew that J.K. Simmons was going to reprise his role as Jim Gordon uh, in Batgirl. What we didn't know is that he would describe his role as flabbergasting. <laughs> uh, really weird. Um, but yeah, he said he was really shocked to return to the role of Jim Gordon uh, by the directors Adila L. Arby and Bilal Fala. 
he also said that production is beginning soon. They're trying to meet a 2022 release date. Uh, I was completely flabbergasted that they came back to me recently and wanted me to be Commissioner Gordon again and have it to be a more significant role. Obviously, Commissioner Gordon is the father of Batgirl, being Barbara Gordon. Uh, I think I'm actually going to get on the horn with star Leslie Grace and the directors in the next couple of days and do a little preliminary rehearsals. They start very soon, and then I jump on board sometime in January over in Glasgow, which is a wonderful place to be shooting it because, you know, it's gothic. I'm excited to be once the once in future Jim Gordon. That's really cool because I think what little we see of him in the Snyderverse, I think he does a good job. I think it's cool. Uh, but uh, I also think that we're going to see a very different Jim Gordon, not than the Snyderverse, but then a lot of the other interpretations we get in let's say the animated batman products uh where whenever they're telling a batgirl story jim gordon's a little more goofy uh kind of like how he was in the adam west show where but i, I think it is nice to see a competent jim gordon like we got in the uh, Dark Knight trilogy, as it looks like we're getting in Matt Reeves, the Batman. Uh, and we kind of got in the Snyderverse, although he didn't have that big of a role. Uh, it's cool that we're getting a little bit more of that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, J.K. Simmons, terrific actor. I think he'll absolutely crush Jim Gordon. Uh, especially now that he's so like physically intimidating. He's so ripped now that yeah i just want to see him do more things you know he could be in <laughs> i don't know if anyone ever thought in the year 2000 that you could throw uh j johnny jameson from spider-man into like an arnold schwarzenegger or a sylvester stallone movie and have him fit in but now he definitely looks like he belongs there um with those tough old men, you know, like he is physically intimidating. He's super jacked. Uh, we finally got official news, even though I think we've all been talking about this as if it was the truth. So Star Wars, they have, I'm trying to think, four live action TV shows. I'm definitely miscounting. It's like six. They have The Mandalorian, which is getting its season three next year. Then we've got The Book of Boba Fett premieres next month, this month, the end of the month. I can speak. Uh, Obi-Wan premieres sometime early next year. Uh, the Cassian Andor show is the middle of next year, I believe. Give me a moment. I'm trying to think. Uh, the Ahsoka show. We're getting that. Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah, that's six. I think I'm not forgetting anything live action. Uh, however, since Gina Carano left, uh, was fired from the project, uh, a lot of people were basically saying Rangers of the New Republic is pretty much canceled. Uh, yeah, it's for sure. And I grabbed the wrong link for it. 
didn't I? This is like a really old article. This can't be new. Yeah, I grabbed the wrong link. Let me. But yeah, Rangers of the New Republic is officially canceled. Uh, let me quickly find an article. There we go. Did I just click on the wrong one? No, I just. Oh, okay. I know what happened. Yeah. Uh. Rangers of the New Republic, no longer in active development for Disney+. Plus. Uh, yeah, we, which is a little weird because I know they were pitching uh, The Mandalorian, Ahsoka. I already forgot. Obi-Wan and... No, maybe not Obi-Wan. Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, and Rangers of the New Republic. Those four to kind of be connected in certain ways. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how their plans change without the Rangers of the New Republic show. However, I think we're all expecting it once they fired Gina Carano as she was supposed to kind of lead that, that project. Uh, so it should come to no surprise, but it is official. Apparently also scripts were never even written for the show. So it wasn't even, yeah. <laughs> Is Ranger continuing? No, it is not. Rangers of the New Republic officially canceled as we've all been kind of treating as fact has now actually become fact. It's gone. It's out of here. Uh, which, I mean, was definitely out of the shows they announced. It was the show that I was kind of thinking the weirdest about. And then if it didn't have Gina Carano's Cara Dune in it, I thought it was going to be even more weird for it to be connected to the other shows. And so I don't know. I don't think it had an interesting enough baseline without Cara Dune. Uh, so I think ultimately it's probably the right decision. They can focus on getting their other projects underway, especially since I don't know if anyone has ever talked about in the past year about Lando, about Acolyte, about actually just those two things. Uh, but it is interesting that in this past month, we have had two cancellations. Uh, we, I mean, like I said, we kind of knew Rangers of the New Republic once Gina Carano was fired. But officially hearing that Rangers of the New Republic is canceled this month, and then also Patty Jenkins' Starfighter movie being canceled uh, or delayed indefinitely. Uh, yeah, not necessarily a lot of good news coming from the Star Wars base camp, uh, but hopefully it's all to prep for an amazing Book of Boba Fett for them to get some good PR by pumping out a really high-quality show. Uh, I'm not really too sure. I just hope they start pumping these shows out faster, you know? Because uh, it's like, yeah, it's great that we got, like, the Bad Batch or whatever. But I, I want more of these live-action Star Wars is more often, I think. Especially since they're claiming that they're going to do them. Let's start, you know, putting some time and money towards it. Uh, what do we have next? Ah, uh, yes. The rest of the show, we will be talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, because we have to talk about Spider-Man every week. 
Oh, I feel like I need to sneeze. Uh, well, I hope you got your Spider-Man No Way Home tickets. Because if you didn't, you might find it a bit challenging to get them. Spider-Man No Way Home went on sale uh, this past Monday, I think it was. And needless to say, if you didn't get a Monday, you're probably not seeing it opening night. Now, this is absolutely crazy. The, the, there's all kinds of different things I want to talk about with Spider-Man, so hopefully I don't forget anything. But the stuff that happened in these past three days with Spider-Man... It feels like the real Black Friday, you know, <laughs> like, like it feels like all of the hype that was around Black Friday or has been around Black Friday in like past years, because I'll admit I didn't notice that much this year, but maybe it's just because of my ignorance. It felt like all of that chaos was just channeled into Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, so basically, if I can find this. Uh, the release ticket sales quickly meant chaos for theaters. Systems across the country were overloading. They were crashing early Monday morning. These tickets went on sale at like one in the morning or something like that. It was very early and they were crashing immediately. There were so many people on these websites that they, the servers just couldn't handle it. Uh, scalpers are already reselling their tickets, I assume for opening night, for thousands of dollars. Which is crazy. Because, like, you'll be able to see this movie, I won't say two days later, but a week later, you'll be able to see this movie. Like, trust me, you, you won't have a problem. Uh, but, you know, all the buzz around Spider-Man, all the villains returning, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield maybe returning, that it's got people hype. And I can't help but thinking that this is more hype than Avengers Endgame had, which is absolutely crazy to me. Because even though Spider-Man No Way Home will hopefully be an amazing work of art, uniting three spider-man and all of their villains in one single one single film avengers endgame was the culmination of 22 movies and it had the cast of like 60 lead actors not lead actors but people who had been previously lead actors 60 superheroes like that's crazy there were so many Everyone was in it, more or less. And so for No Way Home to actually be more anticipated somehow, I didn't think it could be done. And I'm very interested to see if it holds out, because obviously we all know that Avengers Endgame, did it actually cross $3 billion, or did it just get close? I forget. Box office with all its re-releases. Yeah, it's almost at 2.8 billion. 
I'm not sure that Spider-Man No Way Home will even make it to $2 billion. Sure, it might be more, more like aggressively anticipated. I'm not sure it has the wider reach that Avengers Endgame had. Now, maybe these next two weeks will change that with everyone talking about how Spider-Man no way home tickets broke the internet in some cases literally uh that people probably people have been talking about spider-man we've been talking about spider-man for the past three weeks we're gonna keep talking about spider-man for at least the next three weeks so people have been talking about spider-man for now like a six-week range maybe that'll get butts and seats and i mean avengers endgame was talked about for easily over two months so we'll see if it's able to to throw up Avengers in-game money, but that'd be absolutely crazy if it did. Uh, talk about the few other things. Uh, we were talking about how tickets were getting scalp, scalped. Uh, let me look this up one more time because I don't think I saved it. This was crazy to me reading this. Uh, so Spider-Man No Way Home, shortly after tickets were on sale, apparently on eBay, they were being listed from prices ranging. Now let's remember the average price of a movie ticket in the United States is about nine bucks, nine and a half bucks on eBay ticket prices for Spider-Man No Way Home were being listed from $200 $200 would be almost a little over 20x, 20x profit kind of thing, up to $25,000. $25,000 for Spider-Man No Way Home for one ticket. Opening night for something that everyone will be able to see for nine bucks a week later. For the people you're sitting next to, they paid nine bucks and you paid twenty five thousand for it. If that's the ticket you buy, I have a hard time believing people will buy it, but maybe it'll happen. Um, uh, another user listed five tickets for fourteen thousand two hundred. What is that? That's like um, three. $3,500 a ticket, $3,600 a ticket, if that's in total for all five tickets. And then wrote price non-negotiable for $14,200. He also went for the meme and added $0.69 cents at the end also. So you have the $420 and the $69. Yeah, good work. Uh, but yeah, the cost to see Spider-Man No Way Home in cinema is between $10 and $20. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, other pe a bunch of people are talking about it. Some people are talking about it a little bit incorrectly. Uh, one person was saying, just watch it on Disney Plus in a few months. Unfortunately for everyone, uh, although Spider-Man No Way Home might be in Disney's MCU, not a Disney film. It's a Sony film at the end of the day which is why the other two Spider-Man movies are not on uh, Disney+. Plus. I should actually say why none of the Spider-Man movies are on Disney+. Plus. Uh, 
because they're ultimately Sony movies. So they're available elsewhere due to distribution rights. Uh, so won't be making it to Disney plus probably won't be free for a really long time. Uh, but if you want to go see it, you could see it in theaters. And if you didn't get your ticket, just wait a week. Uh, I know my theater, let me look this up one more time to get more up-to-date info. Uh, also, this is absolutely crazy. I've never seen this before. This is, this is a lot of firsts for this movie. Uh, it was breaking a lot of pre-sale records uh, in various countries. And then uh, let's let's take a look at this. Okay, so it used to be that a midnight premiere of a movie. I think when I was young, and I'm talking really young, I'm still young. I like to think I'm still young. Uh, used to be when I was like, I don't know, seven years old, the midnight premiere of a movie was just that. It was at midnight. Movie release dates typically are listed as Fridays and are released Thursday at midnight. So that it's the full day of Friday. And there's like two or three showings and then the movie theater closes for like eight hours and then reopens with more showings of all their other movies. Over the years, we've seen that get pushed back. It became the nine o'clock midnight showing, the eight o'clock midnight showing. I forget what movie I saw recently, but it had a 6 p.m. Uh, midnight premiere, and I was like, wow, that's crazy early. Spider-Man No Way Home, you will be able to see this Friday premiering movie on Thursday at 3.20 p.m. if you live in Huntsville, Alabama, although you would have had to already bought your tickets because obviously it's sold out. Yeah, 3.20 p.m., that's so early. Uh, and then there proceeds to be show times like every 20 to 30 minutes until 11.30 p.m. at night. Uh, so that's like 16 show times on Thursday for this movie that premieres on Friday. There's also more show times, um, but I was just referring to the the basic package. They, ha they always have their luxury seating, uh, more expensive tickets or IMAX and stuff like that. Uh, so for the basic package, there's 16 uh, showtimes on Thursday for a movie that premieres on Friday, which is absolutely crazy. 3.20 p.m. <laughs> uh, it was really funny because I was looking at it for a moment. I was like, I could see it at 3.20 p.m. on Thursday. That'd be great. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I still work. <laughs> uh, so I definitely can't do that. I will be seeing it Saturday. Um, the other thing that if you haven't gotten your movie tickets yet and you really want to see this movie, I would keep checking your theater. Keep checking uh, because I know I bought my movie ticket um, a few days ago for Saturday. Uh, I bought the 935 showing, which I thought which was the earliest listed. And then the next day there was now a 9 a.m. showing which again is the earliest I've ever seen a daytime showing. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie theater open at 9 a.m. Like the earliest showtime I think I've seen is 10 a.m. And that'd be pushing it. But yeah, there's a 9 a.m. showtime on a Saturday for this movie. 
uh they, there's absolutely so many people trying to get tickets to this movie uh if i go to normal hours the the seats are like all taken up except for the first two rows um so yeah definitely if you haven't gotten your tickets yet you want to see this movie you want to um and you don't want to wait a week to be clear because again like i said you'll probably just be able to wait a week and be fine i imagine i hope for you that it's only a week uh but otherwise just keep checking check every various days because my theater has been adding more and more show times uh so that they can get more people through because obviously they know people want to see this movie which makes it an interesting dichotomy to how we started the episode. Obviously, we started talking about uh, how people maybe weren't returning to the movies during the pandemic, after the pandemic. Obviously, the pandemic's still going. Uh, that they maybe haven't returned. And so is Spider-Man No Way Home going to be that... Uh, that film that brings everyone back. It certainly could be the way people are talking about it. <laughs> I'd be hard to imagine. It won't be. Uh, Cause it sounds like everybody and their mother's trying to see this. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. As far as ticket sales go. What's weird though, is that's not the only thing that's crazy going on with Spider-Man. Uh, right now is that Amy Pascal, who is, uh, uh, the executive producer on Sony's side. Uh, she's been the producer of most Spider-Man things. I think she was, I don't know if she was a producer of the Sam Raimi trilogy, but she, I believe, was there for all of the Andrew Garfield stuff. She's been there this whole time for the Venomverse, for the MCU Spider-Man stuff. She, she's been there all along. She's been in those negotiation rooms talking with Kevin Feige how to get these deals worked out. Uh, she says the studio is looking at a new Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, let's see. Tom Holland's Spider-Man is staying put in the MCU, according to producer Amy Pascal. <coughs> uh, this is not, that is what she said. This is not the last movie we are going to make with Marvel. And this is not the last Spider-Man movie. We are getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. We're thinking of this as three films, and now we're going on to the next three. This is not the last of our MCU movies. That's pretty crazy. Uh, sources note, the studio has a strong relationship with Holland and Feige, hopes to continue their co collaboration. However, there's no official plans for a trilogy right now. So it sounds like she might have teased us something she wasn't supposed to. Uh, that, you know, there, there's a lot of negotiations that go in the background with Spider-Man more than anything else, it seems. Uh, because Spider-Man falls out of the MCU at least once a year. This is kind of his opportunity to fall out of the MCU once again. Uh, but... Yeah, her potentially saying that Tom Holland will be returning and they're going to keep making Spider-Man movies and they're going to keep making MCU movies in addition to Spider-Man movies, I think 
could get a lot of people excited. It certainly excites me uh, with the Venomverse maybe connections, opportunities at least. Um, but before we keep going, let's talk about what Tom Holland has to say about this. Because obviously he's the one that was saying, hey, I'm kind of done with Spider-Man. We're wrapping it up. This feels like a conclusion to me. That was the kind of stuff he was saying. Uh, he said, and this is the thing I think is interesting. He kind of, the way he words this is very weird. Listen, all I'll say is we have some very, very exciting things to be talking about. Now that could be talking about now, talking about in five years. It could be a lot. He also added, I don't know what those things are or what they will transpire to be, but it looks like an incredibly bright future ahead. And as he said before, Spider-Man will forever live in him. Um, yeah, she said, we're getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. Yikes. Kind of teasing that out a little bit. Um, Sony itself hasn't claimed otherwise. Uh, Tom Holland also being pretty coy about it. I think they're in talks to figure it out. I don't think they've totally figured it out yet. Uh, but I think they're trying to work it out. Obviously, Tom Holland wants to do other projects. Uh, but I think he still wants to be Spider-Man. And let me put it this way. As long as Tom Holland's Spider-Man keeps making money, they're going to keep making them. I don't see how they're not because... It seems like Tom Holland really loves Spider-Man and all of the cast loves Spider-Man. Obviously, all of the customers love his Spider-Man. So there's not really any reason to stop making them. <laughs> no one, there's not a single person out there that's saying, I think we've had enough Spider-Man. So much to the point of we're possibly getting a movie in a few, in two weeks that is going to have multiple Spider-Man in the same movie, this time live action, as opposed to the animated one we got. And people are buying the tickets in waves, maybe up to $10,000 a ticket. Uh, it's like a concert. I don't know. So the demand for Tom Holland Spider-Man is, is super high. Uh, can he leverage this to get more money? Probably. Will he? Probably. Hopefully Sony is willing to pay it, or at least they're able to come to some sort of uh, agreement that is able to give us more Spider-Man, more Tom Holland Spider-Man, more uh, MCU connections from the Spider-Man characters. Uh, hopefully we get all those things, because more is always better than less. Even when it's bad, because we could just forget about it if it's bad. But when it's more and it's good, that's just a good time. So I, I think it is absolutely crazy that we're getting this confirmed because the way they were talking about it before is, oh, there's a conclusion and it's the end of the trilogy. And as I said when those news articles were coming out, they sounded, a, they read a lot like, contract negotiations and so i think they're still trying to figure it out so amy pascal may be floating the idea that there's going to be more spider-man more tom holland spider-man 
in the MCU. Obviously, that gets fans really excited. We're hoping for it. And so we're like, yes, it's definitely going to happen. It starts existing in our mind. And then Tom Holland goes, how do I say no to this when all the fans are clamoring for it? If I say no for to it, I'm the bad guy. And so like, yeah, I mean, so then he has to be, he maybe has to be a little bit more timid in his negotiations because like, sure, maybe he wants more money, but if he's thinking about uh, customer demand, then maybe he doesn't get as much money. I don't know. I don't know how these things always pan out. Uh, so there's a lot of crazy things going in Spider-Man. I, for one, don't believe Spider-Man in the MCU is done, but there is a small chance that now is the time to write him out. I'm still thinking not because the things they're saying are too coy. Amy Pascal's now even saying that it is continuing. We also know that there's that Spider-Woman movie um, directed by... I can't think of her name right now. I'm totally losing it. Spider-Woman director. Let's see what we get. Nope. Olivia Wilde uh, directing the Spider-Woman movie, and she said that she was working with Kevin Feige. So obviously Kevin Feige is having a lot of influence in the Sony Marvel base camp. Uh, but... I don't know. I, I do not know. Uh, I, I think we're, we're going to see some interesting things uh, with Spider-Man coming up. This is going to be a crazy movie. Uh, theaters are going to be full. Uh, try and get your tickets now if you want to go see it early. Otherwise, you know, just wait a week. You know, there's no rush. Uh, what are people going to spoil for you? That Doc Ock is in the movie? Big shocker. You know, he's in the trailer. No one will be surprised. Uh, so that actually is our last news article today. Uh, but don't forget Friday to tune into uh, 6 p.m. Tune into our discussions about Young Justice episode. I forget whether it's episode 8 or 9. I know I said it earlier in the show. I think it's episode 9 of season 4. Uh, Wheel of Time episode 5 and uh, Hawkeye episode 3. Uh, that should be good. I am realizing I don't have a movie on my list for next week. Let me go see if anything is coming out. Otherwise, I do have an idea of a movie. Um, that seems like a horror film that I don't really want to watch. Oh, when does West Side Story come out? Nope, that's a week from now. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's just do... I'm verifying. Verifying. What is this movie? Christmas with the Chosen, the Messengers? Uh, oh, a lot of Christmas songs. Okay, sure. Uh, that's not what we will be reviewing. Instead, yeah, I'm thinking uh, that I think it's on HBO Max. Let me double check that. Uh, 
It's got Andrew Garfield in it, so it should get people hype. I believe it is called Tick, Tick, Boom. I lied. It's not on HBO Max. Where is this movie? Hmm. Oh, it's on Netflix, perhaps. Oh, it's playing. Yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom, about a musician uh, on Netflix. Let me mute this and search, get a little bit more of a description for it. Uh, on the brink of turning 30, a promising theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressure to create something great before time runs out. Obviously, everyone knows no old people ever make anything great, if you can hear my sarcasm. Uh, yeah, so an Andrew Garfield musician movie sounds pretty good on Netflix. We'll definitely be checking that out for next Wednesday, 6 p.m., also tune in for Friday, 6 p.m., uh, where we will be talking all kind of, all, all three of those TV shows, as I mentioned. Uh, and then that's going to be the show. That's going to be it. So tune in for all of those. And I think that'll be it. Yeah. Uh, I'm Joshua Troop. This is Unanimous Indecision. We'll catch you next time.